And welcome to episode 95 of McChesney Unchained. I am your host, Matt McChesney. Hope everybody out there is safe and having a good holiday season as we lead up to Christmas. Uh, I know that I'm I'm feeling very blessed this holiday season, so I'm hoping everybody out there is. Um, We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Ryan Kosenberg is on the show today to talk about uh, the Denver Broncos and Drew Locke and, and, and much more. I'm excited to have him on, kind of see things a little bit differently uh, on Drew Locke, and, and that's okay. Uh, and, and I'm excited to get his perspective on uh, the future of the Denver Broncos at the quarterback position. Uh, but we're going to start it off with a little bit of college football talk and, of course, get into the NFL as a whole. Um, I got to say, last night was incredible. Uh, for me, uh, on Monday Night Football, I uh, I did a three-player parlay with Lamar Jackson, Kareem Hunt, and J.K. Dobbins all scoring a touchdown at $500, and the odds were plus 2,600 and something, and uh, it hit for $11,000. So, I uh, Christmas is Christmas is good at the McChesney household, man. So, uh, yeah, I, I sure do love. Uh, Sports betting, it sure is fun. So um, I, I'm just saying Christmas has been good and it's going to continue to be good uh, here on McChesney Unchained, episode 95. Now, episode 95 is special for me. Uh, 95 was the number that I wore as a rookie with the Jets before my fat ass got moved to offensive line and, uh, and humbled. I used to think I could pass rush and then I got to the NFL and they were like, oh yeah, go play offensive line. So it, it was fun. Uh, but I did wear 95 for a year, and it was it was a blessing. So, uh, yeah, let's get into this. Uh, so, I think CU has probably gotten hosed by the Pac-12. I mean, look, man, it's very I'm, – I'm very blunt about how I feel about Colorado's move to the Pac-12. I played in the Big 12. I never even thought about moving to the Pac-12. When we played Pac-12 teams, we thought they were soft. I mean, we lost to SC and we lost to Washington State, but we also beat Washington State's ass a bunch of times and UCLA. And that when when you played those teams, you hit them in the mouth. And the Pac-12 is a basketball conference. That's the way I looked at it when I was coming out. And things are much different now. And I support my university and I love Colorado to the core, but the move to the Pac-12, I feel like they're treating us like we're like our hill, hillbilly cousins in the in the hills, man. Just, you know, the, the, that team in the Rockies, Utah and Colorado, they joined late. And I, I think that it should motivate CU to go stomp everyone's face into the ground, and I, I think it will. Um, but the the fact that they had their game taken away just so SC has somebody to play uh, and they, they're they not going to schedule another one. It just it, – it is what it is. I mean, 2020, you just got to kind of accept it. COVID, you got to kind of accept it. Um, absolutely accept it. But what I'm saying is the University of Colorado needs to figure out their identity in the Pac-12 quickly. And nothing would be better than next year – with all these cats coming back, not losing eligibility this year, and none of this really counting, and riding the momentum of this. If I'm Mustafa, I'm really looking – Mustafa Johnson, I'm really looking at coming back. If I'm Nate Landman, you know, I'm crushed for him. My heart breaks for that kid. 
Uh, if I'm him, I'm coming back. Neuer's coming back. That big offensive line, everybody's coming back. That team is going to be really, really good next year, and I bet you they're ranked preseason top 25 easy. Um, they have a lot of potential in Boulder. So I, I truly believe that they're getting hosed out of a game this weekend, but, I mean, shit, man. Every weekend somebody's getting hosed out of a game, so it's just Colorado's turn, I guess. Um, and I'm excited about a bowl game. Four and one, they've had a great season. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year that they were going to finish four and one and and not play three games uh, and be ranked at one point in the season and play in a bowl game and be as good and those games be as exciting as they were and kind of set the table for 2021. I looked at 2021 schedule. They play Northern Colorado to open the year. I'm interesting to see if that game happens or if they try and schedule someone bigger just because of the way COVID has evolved kind of scheduling. They've got Texas A&M at home, Minnesota at home, and then they have, you know, their Pac-12 schedule of eight games, four on the road and four at home. And their home games are Washington, SC, Oregon, and I think – Arizona State, if I if I remember that correctly. So that's a pretty damn good home docket with Texas A&M and Minnesota and Folsom. So 2021 lines up big time. Nate Lambert can come back and use the motivation of not being invited to the, the Buckus, the top five in the country. That's an absolute bullshit. That guy's the best middle linebacker in college football. So I, I think this team has a real opportunity. Every single guy that's there that's a contributor – Ranks draw everybody. They need to come back next year and set the tone. Unless you think, unless Nate thinks he can go get paid and do what he needs to do coming off an injury like that, which is awful. So I doubt. Um, so I hope everything works out for them. And I'm interested to see where they go uh, bowling. Uh, the Utah game was what it was. You know, they're up 21 10 at a point. It, I'd like to think they can close the door, but when you lose your best player, the defense just couldn't survive after losing the best player in the country in his position. So uh, it's disappointing, but I will say for a long time that Utah's not a rival, and I totally and equivocally, unequivocally take that back. Fuck them. They're a rival. Um, I 100% don't like their asses anymore, and the red and white really pissed me off the other day. And there were a lot of people complaining about tarping the field. You're in Boulder in the mountains in Folsom. There's snow on the ground. Play football. Shut the fuck up. Tarp the field. Come on, man. This isn't in the NFL. It is what it is. Play football and win a game. Utah didn't have any problems scoring 38 goddamn points. So I I just, yeah, the, the hatred's real with them. They've, uh, they've kept CU out of a bowl game for three or four straight years, and then now they're keeping them out of the Pac-12 title game potentially. So, Look, it is what it is. Uh, the, the hatred is real with Utah now, so hopefully that rivalry gets uh, gets revved up and we can get them in Salt Lake City at the end of the year next year. Um, so we'll move forward. Uh, college football playoff. Um, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Texas A&M, and Cincinnati. Look, no SEC team has ever done what Alabama is doing. No one's ever won this many games in conference before. And it, it I asked the question – with this much adversity in a season, the fact that they're undefeated and not just undefeated, they're beating teams by like 36 points a game. Is Are they the best college football team ever? Or is this the most, is this the most lopsided just season ever with the, the best team? 
like they're just smashing everyone and the other teams, some of them, you know, can't field scholarship, you know, defenses. They've got to put walk-ons on the field, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I, I watched CU earlier, early in the Pac-12 experiment when they were doing that in the Embry years and it was bad. They were losing by 30. So, you know, it's, I'm looking at college football as they, I like, I would like for them to expand the playoff. And I don't care if you, if Cincinnati's the eight and Alabama's the one and you serve up Cincinnati to Alabama, they might beat them. I mean, I, I don't want to hear that they can't beat them. I watched Utah beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl one year. Like, give me a fucking break. They can't beat them? Come on. Of course they can beat them. So I, I would think that um, when looking at college football moving forward, the committee – will understand that there's enough good bull sites to host all the playoff games, and it's better for everybody. It's more revenue TV money for everyone. Why wouldn't you expand? I mean, it almost doesn't make sense. The four-team playoff obviously works. People, It's a lot better than bowl games where the best teams don't play each other. I was part of that in 2001. We beat the number one team in the BCS by 30 in Nebraska, 62-36. And then we beat Texas in the Big 12 title game. They were the third-ranked team in the country. Both those teams win, and they go play for the national title. Oh, come to think of it, Nebraska did go play for the fucking national title. They didn't even win the division. We lost to Fresno at the beginning of the year, and it kept us out of the dance. We had to play in the Fiesta Bowl, and, you know, it was what it was. But I'm just saying, you have a four-team playoff that year. It's Colorado, Oregon, Nebraska, Miami. At least you get a chance to play for the for the title instead of just some horseshit BCS system. So I'd like for them to go to eight or even ten and then give the first and second seed bye weeks. I think that would be cool too. So um, interesting to see what happens during championship weekend. But look, man, Ohio State's going to hammer Northwestern. They'll play them tough for a quarter and a half or two. Uh, Alabama is going to fucking smoke show Florida. I think Cincinnati beats Tulsa's ass. I, I'm, maybe they don't beat their ass, but they beat them. Tulsa's pretty good, but Cincinnati's rolling. Uh, they deserve an opportunity to, to play for the title. I'd like for them to be the four seed, honestly. Um, but Ohio State, unless Northwestern can beat Ohio State, that's not happening. So the Clemson-Notre Dame thing is interesting to me is why – if I'm the both those teams, maybe both of them should just like fake COVID so they don't play, so they're insured to both get in. Because if Notre Dame beats Clemson and they have two losses, then maybe Cincinnati does get in and Clemson falls. And I think they do. I think they fall out of the top four, especially if Cincinnati's undefeated. So Notre Dame, there's a lot of Cincinnati fans that are huge Notre Dame fans this weekend. So we'll see how all that goes. All right, episode 95, McChesney Unchained Rolls. Remember, uh, check everything out at DNVR underscore sports and then uh, everything at 6-0 Academy on Twitter and Instagram and then at DNVR Unchained uh, to follow the show on Twitter. Um, episode 95, we talk about the National Football League. Okay, so uh, before we get into uh, the rant, we're going to rant with Ryan today. So Ryan, Ryan's going to come on the show, and we're going to rant with him about Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos. Don't go anywhere. But I want to talk to you about the National Football League before we get into that. Um, 
Kansas City has kind of set themselves above the pack, in my opinion. And look, Miami's a really opportunistic team. You saw them very well and lose the game. Denver played very well. Um, but Kansas City has going to Miami, that's not an easy place to win. The side of the Super Bowl last year, I'm sure that that brought back good memories and they played well. 12 and 1, you're looking at the road going through Arrowhead. There's fans in Arrowhead. You saw the last night of Monday Night Football, that crazy ass game with Baltimore and Cleveland, how the fans really had an effect. That place was rocking last night. It was actually really good to see. Regardless of COVID concerns, it was awesome to see people enjoying a sporting event and not just being freaked out about a parasite. Um, looking at the AFC, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Tennessee are the top four seeds in the division. Browns, Colts, Miami hold the three wild card seeds. And then Baltimore and the Raiders are on the outside looking in. So Baltimore last night closed the gap, eight and five. They're scary. If they get in and they can run the football like they did last night, they can beat anybody. Their defense was leaky last night, but Cleveland's done that to a lot of people. Cleveland's either hit or miss. They either score six points like they did against the Raiders in the rain, or they score 40, or they scored 50 against the Cowboys earlier in the season. So when Baker Mayfield doesn't turn the ball over, they win. If he doesn't turn the ball over last night, I don't win my bet, and the Baltimore Ravens don't win the game. So that when he threw that pick, I almost shit my pants in my living room. So... <laughs> um, I'm I'm looking at the the national or the 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 AFC as going through Kansas City and can Pittsburgh do it without a running game? I don't know. They've lost two in a row. Buffalo looks really good. Josh Allen looks like a really big young John Elway that can run, and it makes me just it makes me jealous, man, because I wish that they would have seen that in Denver and taken that kid. Even though they got Bradley Chubb, I like Bradley. He's awesome, but. You could have kept Shaq Barrett in his 19 sacks and drafted Josh Allen, and where would Denver be right now? Uh, but, hey, Drew Locke might be the future. I don't know. I'll propose that question to Ryan when he jumps on with us as, as we rant with him about this. Um, but looking at this, can any of these teams go to Kansas City and win? I've seen Tennessee go to Kansas City and win with Marcus Mariota where he threw the ball off a dude, caught it himself, and scored a touchdown, and they won. That shit was crazy. Um, it's a completely different team. Tennessee can hammer the rock and really control the game. They're going to be a legitimate threat in the playoffs. Again, do not sleep on the Titans. They're going to win a game. But if they get matched up with the with Cleveland, Cleveland just wiped the goddamn floor with Tennessee in Tennessee. So it, the playoffs are different, though. You know, it, they could have just had a bad week. You know, guys just weren't on their game. That's the beauty of the National Football League, man. You can lose a lot of football games in the regular season. Just ask the Giants. They did it twice. So I, uh, I'd like to think that the dark horse in, in the AFC is the Colts. If Phillip Rivers can go in and, and not turn the ball over and make good decisions, they can beat anybody. Um, their defense is extremely opportunistic, and Leonard and, and Rucker and those, those boys can fly around and hit you in the mouth. I like, I like the matchups in the AFC going into the playoffs. I think you're going to have a lot of really good football teams uh, squaring off. Uh, playoff weekend is going to be insane. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so the, the, the question remains, with New England being unseated in the AFC East, can Buffalo win that game at home against whomever they play? and put themselves in position to go to Kansas City and beat the Chiefs 
to potentially then host the AFC title game back in Buffalo. That would be so dope. It would take me back to my childhood of watching the Buffalo Bills teams when they, you know, they beat Kansas City in the AFC title game one year and they, they mopped the floor with Oakland one year. And or I guess they were the LA Raiders, and then they beat the Broncos. I think it was ten to seven. They beat the Broncos uh, in a, in the AFC title game, and Elway actually got hurt, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I might be wrong on that, but I remember that when when I was a kid, it was always the AFC title game was always in Orchard Park. And I don't know, man. I just have a feeling that that team they go to Kansas City. They're not scared of anybody, and McDermott has them playing their asses off. And I, I really – I think Buffalo is a sleeper in the AFC. I'm going to put my money on them to uh, to make some noise. They're a damn good football team, and they're walking in to uh, empower this weekend. And, and that, you know, it's a very interesting matchup for the Broncos. And I, I don't think the Broncos win this game, but I think that they're going to compete their ass off. I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if they won. I mean, they're they're getting a lot of they're they're heavy underdogs on 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 FanDuel and DraftKings. I know that. So, um, but the last time that they were heavy underdogs on FanDuel and DraftKings, they beat Miami at home, and people got paid if they believed in their Denver Broncos. So, Drew Locke just went for four touchdowns and and no picks. Can he go out there and do it against Buffalo? Buffalo gives up points. It's not like They've got a historically good defense or anything. They they're they're leaky at times. They they compete. They beat teams 37, 34, and shit like that. So Denver can go compete. It's what Drew Locke are you gonna get? You're gonna get good Drew or bad Drew. And and I I look at the AFC and it really pisses me off even more about the damn Saints game of being able to be competitive because I mean the Patriots are still in the goddamn playoff hunt at six and seven. The Broncos easily could have been six and seven. They they could be seven and six if they could just get their head out of their ass and play consistently. They could they could be an eight win football team if they could play consistently. Drew Locke has all the tools in the world. The the key is is he going to grow up and be a pro, or is he just going to be a gunslinger that is a backup in two years, and just hanging around the NFL replaced because he can't win games all he can do is put up stats beating carolina is nice at home or, or on the road but they're a nine loss football team i'm glad we won but in actuality unless you sweep and finish eight and eight and you roll into next year with a bunch of momentum you're, you got a losing record on the year and you're picking mid seven wins again instead of just you know maybe picking in the top 10 that's all i'm saying options that's all i'm saying so look i know i got a little off track right there but the afc it runs through denver this weekend because you know buffalo is a playoff team coming to denver and there's a lot of really good football games this weekend again so the the matchup with kansas city and new orleans i'm really looking forward to that shit so the nfc green bay is the one new orleans is the two the rams are the three washington is playing their ass off that is a scary ass defense uh i i'm you know, my my sons get a kick out of the fact that they're called the football team because I had to explain to them the whole Redskins thing. And they I mean they get it. My ten year old had a was was very aware about the situation. Um I I think it is what it is. I, I hope that they name them the Red Tails next year to honor the Tuskegee Airmen. I think that, that would be incredible. So 
<clears throat> but they're they're going to be a hard out in the playoffs if they get in. Uh, and I think that they can. I mean, they have a road to get in the playoffs and be eight and eight, nine and seven. So the NFC East may suck, but that that defense is playing their ass off, and Ron Rivera's got them believing. And Alex Smith or Haskins, uh, whoever ends up playing quarterback for them, just make good decisions, run the football, and let that defense go do what it does. And you got a chance to win in the playoffs. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with uh, Washington, uh, Seattle. You know, nine and four sitting there in the wings. They're going to be a hard out. They're going to be on the road if they can't figure out a way to overcome the Rams. Uh, Tampa, Arizona, Minnesota finish it out. Uh, Tom Brady's never been a, uh, a, uh, a wild card, ever. I was on a team in the Dolphins that made playoffs in 2008 when Matt Castle was the quarterback in New England. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Brady got hurt at the beginning of the year. He tore his ACL against Kansas City. And I was on the Miami team that invented the Wildcat and all that, all that shit. It was fun. Uh, Pennington was there that year. We actually beat the Jets at the end of the season to win the division. And we both played for them and got cut by them. And he actually got traded. I got cut. And uh, we, we, you know, we won the division, yada, yada, yada. Baltimore bought the floor with us the next week and it was over. But that's the only year that New England didn't win the division. That is crazy. That's crazy. So, you know, it's when you look at, at Tom Brady, um, never being a wild card quarterback he's gonna probably gonna be a wild card quarterback on the road unless new orleans shits the bed so i don't see new orleans doing that i mean they could lose this weekend and still win the division they're two up they beat tampa bay twice so we'll see what happens and if tampa can go on the road and if you know if tampa has to go to washington or the rams that's going to be tough man that's going to be a really tough playoff game you know, those defenses are going to get after Tom. And I like his offensive line. You know, Ryan Jensen's Dungeon Family, one of my guys, I think he's going to be an all-pro uh, this year. I think he's easily one of the best centers and guards in the NFL when he plays guard. Um, but still, I mean, the defensive lines for Washington and especially the Rams with Aaron Donald and Morgan Fox and them boys, I mean, shit, they, they can get after you. So <clears throat> I think defense is going to – be at a premium in the playoffs like it always is and if you can shut people down and hit them in the mouth in this league regardless of how offensive centric it is in the regular season um you're gonna have a real chance to to win a super bowl and, and hoist a trophy so um i guess if you're gonna talk about the playoffs in the super bowl right now I I won't do any predictions until I know who the the seating. I guess when I know the at the final seating and who's playing who, then I can make some predictions on who's winning and who's losing. And <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Um, it, it's going to be a great playoff year, though. I can tell you that there's a lot of really good football teams in the NFL, and Denver could be one of them. The Broncos could be one of them, and that let's just get into the Denver Broncos because. Ryan Kosenberg is going to join us here on the Chesney Unchained episode 95 here at, at some point here in the near future. So let's just get into the Denver Broncos. Look, I think this team has all the – I think they can be a playoff team year in and year out. They have elite speed at the receiver positions. 
They've got, I mean, Jerry Judy's out there routing guys, breaking ankles. I know it's Carolina and they suck and yada, yada, yada. Denver sucks too. They, their record sucks. They're looked at as a shitty team in the NFL. It is what it is. But I'm looking at it from a potential standpoint, and there is potential for this team to fall flat on its face next year and suck again, and then you have to retool everything and fire everyone. But I think if you do bring everyone back and Vic Fangio stays the coach and everything, there's a little bit of consistency in Denver for the first time in a long time. Even though I don't really like Pat Schumer's offense, if he does what he did in Carolina, I, I mean, shit, man. Is it, is it just the defense you were going against, or is that the kind of offense we expect to see in Denver? I've seen it a couple of times, but I've also seen this team do really, really, really inexplicable things on the football field from an offensive perspective that you cannot do to win in the National Football League. And that is why I'm so pessimistic about it. I can't be as optimistic as I know Ryan is. He, I know he's he, he loves Drew Locke. And look, Drew Locke can play. Drew Locke can sling it. Drew Locke is a stud. But, but he's not he's not as good as he needs to be consistently for me to take him seriously as a great quarterback. Now, looking at history, Elway struggled immensely. Drew seven and seven through 14 starts. You know, Manning struggled immensely. Guys struggle. No one just comes along other than Tom Brady and just wins everything just every year. Shit. So, I think that this team with the veterans coming back next year, if they can figure out how to keep Justin Simmons and, you know, bring in some good veterans and they get a good backup in and keep ripping around and Locke can mature into a leader in the locker room, but also on the field that's an authoritative quarterback leader, not just one of the boys. I look, I, I love the fact that he's one of the boys and, and he's the leader of the pack. I get that. I love it. He's the quarterback. But I need if if Drew Locke's gonna be the guy, Drew Locke's gotta figure out how to have that that stare where he looks at you and you know that you fucked up and you gotta fix it. And that's greatness. And that's what I think he can be if he does it correctly. And I just hope that Schumer is the coach to get him there. I hope Fangio's the coach to get him there. Maybe the old school mentality with both of those guys. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. It's not working so far. It's. I mean, I, I like the fact that the Broncos won on Sunday, but let's be real, five wins ain't going to do it. Not in Denver. And it's been a long time since they've been the Broncos that I'm used to seeing. I mean, look, man. I was with Denver when they were four and twelve, and they ended up getting the, uh, Von Miller. So it doesn't always suck to suck. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. Being competitive against Buffalo and going out and doing your thing and and losing a tight game and falling a little bit closer to good draft position to getting an elite player, that's not the worst thing in the world. Beating Buffalo also is awesome. That's that's awesome. I'm with it. But when you're, when you're really looking at all this, the question that I will have for Ryan, and that's what we're doing right now, we're getting into this rant, and I, I can't wait to rant uh, today with Ryan. So let's bring on my boy Ryan Kosenberg. Uh, he is the man at the NBR, and we are damn proud to have him uh, on the show today. 
And it's my honor and pleasure to bring on my friend and the co-founder and VP of content and strategy at DNVR, uh, and the man who makes this engine go down here at DNVR, in my opinion, man, Mr. Ryan Kosenberg comes on the show at episode 95 to talk about all things Colorado Buffaloes, all things NFL, but mainly Drew Locke uh, and the Denver Broncos in that regard. And we're going to rant with Ryan today, and it just happens to sound that cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's my honor and pleasure to bring him on the show uh, via Zoom here. Uh, RK, what's up, bro? How are you? What's up, man? I feel like, you know, um, I'm truly honored to be on the show because – uh, you're not really on the show unless Matt mispronounces your name. And, uh, and so that feels good. That feels good. <laughs> I even asked <laughs> Adam like five times. Can still say it. It's Konigsberg. Konigsberg, damn it. All right, well, Ryan Konigsberg is on the show. So we can either edit that out or I can sound like an asshole either one. It's okay. It runs it, consistent. I can't pronounce anybody's name. I can barely pronounce my own damn name. You know, usually I get annoyed when, like, sportscasters or whatever, like, mispronounce names. But it's, like, it's kind of, like, part of your stick. It's not intentional, but it works for you. I like it. Thanks. That's right. <laughs> um, actually, I don't. And I think that's maybe what makes it okay. All right. Well, regardless. Um, all right, Ryan. We're both huge buff fans, obviously. Um, the Utah game sucked. I'm up 21-10, and then you lose – Nate Landman, he may come back. So try and talk Buffalo country off a cliff. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, that's as tough as it gets, right? You're, everything's going right. Uh, you have – your defense is locking down. Nate Landman is playing out of his mind as always. And yeah. you, you lose him. Uh, and – you know what? There's a big di- there's a, there's a big difference between Colorado and the blue blood programs of America, and it is that depth depth is so important in sports. And when you haven't been good for a really long time, well, you might be able to find some really good players. And the Buffs have done a really good job, uh, especially when they built this team of finding some, the, the Nate Landman, the Jarek Broussards, the Carson Wells that really make this team go. But the difference between Colorado and Alabama, or even USC is that when you lose Nate Landman, there's no one behind him. And with all due respect to John Van Deest and, and you know, whoever else uh, they have to back him up, they're just not Nate Landman. And he was the one setting them up and getting them in their run fits for every time. He's the one calling the plays. He is the heartbeat of the defense. So, you know, I, I saw a lot of broad, big-picture takeaways, mad at this person, mad at the other person after the game. I wasn't mad at anyone. Nate Landman got hurt. It cost the Buffs the game. It happens in football, and it's a reflection of where we are as a program. Ryan Koningsberg joins us here on episode <laughs> 95 of the Dungeon Chain. <laughs> and we're talking Colorado Buffaloes here before we get into your Denver Broncos, uh, and we rant with Ryan here. Um, I mean, it, it broke my heart to watch Nate go down. At the same time, though, 2020 with no eligibility loss and how young that team is retrospectively, I really think that all those guys coming back next year, you're looking at a preseason ranked team that's coming off a bowl game. Hopefully they win. I would love to win a bowl game in Boulder. I mean, just think about this, man. Um, the last time we won a bowl game, I was a senior. Yeah. And that hurt. That, I'm 40, dog. So <laughs> that, that, ain't good, that ain't good. So 
I, uh, I, I really think that this team has a bright, bright future. Now, look, the last time I've seen a quarterback like Sam Neuer was Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill played receiver and caught 1,000 yards worth of balls one year at A&M. Moved to, moved to quarterback for two years, balled out, went first round. I'm not saying Neuer's a first rounder, but he's obviously athletic enough and heady enough to play another position. I played both. I played both ways. I respect the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he, he, with a full off season with this staff, based on what we've seen with small sample size, next year they play you? Game happens. Texas A&M at home, Minnesota at home. They've got Oregon at home, Washington at home, SC at home. Those are big-ass games in Boulder. All of them are going to be on national TV. I mean, this is setting up for CU and all these guys to come back. Neuer, Landman, final thoughts, and then we'll get you out. Yeah, no, I think uh, for Sam Neuer, having a full year uh, with the experience under his belt and really, you know, this – this free, like, I love this season uh, because we were successful. But from the beginning, I was just looking this, at this as like a free practice season uh, for for Carl Durrell, for Nate, uh, for uh, Sam Neuer, for all these guys. It was just like a big, long preseason where you get a good bunch of tape and you learn a bunch of things. And uh, and so for him, like, he obviously knows that this offseason he has to do a better job of recognizing underneath coverage from linebackers. Um that's something he could focus in on. And, you know, he's obviously really great at seeing what the safeties are doing because he knows what they're doing. He knows what they're thinking. Um, so, I don't know, maybe they can get him in the linebacker's room next to Nate Landman and, and he can tell him what he's thinking. Um, Nate, I mean, I want to flip the Nate Landman question back on you because you talk to these players. You advise these guys. A lot of these guys look up to you. If Nate Landman was working out in your gym and said, Matt, what do you think I should do? Should I go to the pros or should I come back to see you another year? What would you tell him? You know, it's funny you asked that question because last year, Nate and I had this conversation in my office at 6-0. And we talked about, and this was pre-COVID, this was in February. We just got done watching film and breaking down run looks and fullback alignments and heavy tight ends and scissor plays and all this other bullshit. And we talked specifically about going to the NFL and being a fourth, fifth, sixth round draft pick early. And, you know, we're real on this show, so I'm going to be real. My boy Sam Jones came out early in the sixth round, and he's jobless right now. He's working out with me. And it just is what it is. The National Football League means not for long. you got to battle the attrition. I'm sure he'll be on a roster again, a 90-man, and we'll see what happens when when he goes to camp. That's the way it works. Um and he decided, Nate Lamman decided, to go back to school. Now, I'm not saying that I told him to go back to school, but we definitely had a man-to-man conversation about it. And we talked actively about winning the buckets, too. And the fact that he's not a uh, five finalist is a slap in the goddamn face. And I think that motivates him, just knowing him as a kid, to come back and lead that defense with that schedule. If he can play healthy and show that explosive nature that he just showed, I mean, he could be the he could be the national player of the year on defense, Ryan. I mean, that that kid is special. I haven't seen a linebacker like him since Matt Russell. And Matt Russell used to just hop, hop, and go and hit people in the face at the line of scrimmage. And Nate does the same thing, and it's unbelievable. And I played with Dizon, and I played with Jay Sean Sykes and Sean Tufts, and 
and Drew Walrus, and I played with dudes, and Nate might be the best of all of them, to be completely honest with you. So if that defense, think about if Mustafa really looks at it, and I'll throw this question back to you. There's at least five draft picks on defense, in my opinion. All right, Landman, obviously, Mustafa Johnson, Lang is a draft mm-hmm. pick. I really like three, and I suck at pronouncing names, so I ain't even going to try. I love that kid. And and the uh, the corner that went down, the true safety or the true freshman, that kid is a pro, uh, Gonzalez, right at the oh, beginning right. of the year. What about Carson Wells? Really good. Carson Wells is an absolute pro. Yeah, yeah. I forgot to him. Sorry. So Carson Wells and him coming back again next year too, that defense is scary. So what would – if you're Mustafa and Lang and Carson and you could potentially go to the league, maybe this is the year to really look at it and go, I'm thankful for what I have and not what I'm going to get and just sit back and grow this team even more. Shit, man, they could be scary, scary next year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, selfishly, I'm always going to hope for that thing. And then and then when, when they do announce, or, or if they don't, but if they do end up going to the NFL, I'll be super happy for those kids. I always try to keep perspective on that. Like, I know I'm being a fan when I say, like, well, Nate could come back and be healthy and win the butt kiss and all that stuff. And he also could just say, like, man, I just had it all taken for me in the very last game, and, and that was really scary, and it, and it was painful. and. But the other thing is, like, he's, his rehab is going to probably knock him out from the entire pre-draft process. That's the and thing. I think, it, it, yeah. And I so. think, you know, for him, he's not a combine guy uh, where I think he goes to the combine and just blows everyone away. But he's a senior bowl guy. And he should have – I don't know if he had an invite already, but he should be at the senior bowl. And when people see him out there on the field and, and hear, you know, the way the pads pop when he, you know, when he lines someone up, that's – that's going to go a long way for him and just leadership and all those things. You know, the senior bowl is incredible for these kids. Um, so if, if he wasn't already going to go, um, you know, he definitely can't go now. Um, and that, that hurts for him. I, I think that's the one thing that I'll say, Hey, come back, go be a Buckus finalist uh, and, and go to the senior bowl. And I think that's going to help you a lot. But at the same time, I understand, you know, there's a lot of tread off the Nate Landman tires just based on the way that he plays. I mean, he, he's been flying sideline to sideline for years. And he's just – it sets up for him to come back again next year. So, we'll see. I, I'm damn excited about the Colorado Buffaloes. I haven't been this excited about it for a long time, Ryan. So, look, we're going to start this rant here because I think that you and I think differently about Drew Locke. Um, all right. Ryan, I was impressed Sunday. I was blown away. Yeah. I'm also I'm also trying to be realistic that Carolina's not very good and they're building too. Denver's not very good, they're building, but I'm telling you, when Denver plays at their potential, they're pretty good. They're really good. And they've got some speed and they're all babies. So I guess my question is simple right off the bat with Drew Locke. Why should I and the rest of the world be patient and let this kid develop into what you think he can be? Because he's 7-7 seven and seven in his first 14. It's better than Elway, better than Manning. People don't seem to really talk about that much. 
the NFL's hard. It means not for long. I mean, it, it's a hard-ass league to win in. When he's good, he's about as good as you get. But when he's bad, bro, he is he is like bad Brett Favre bad. So, in in your opinion, because I consider you an expert on this matter, why is Drew Locke the guy in Denver in the future? I think you have to give Drew an opportunity to be the guy. And and this was an opportunity right in front of him this year. But there's so many excuses. And, and I hate trying to make excuses for him um, because I, I don't know if they're even necessary right now. But, I mean, you changed the scheme. And you didn't know there was going to be a COVID, a COVID happening. So you changed the scheme. Then you took away half of his opportunity to learn the scheme. Then you took away his number one wide receiver. You know, you eventually ended up taking – well, you didn't play him at first. Then a few games after you started playing him, you took away his friend from Missouri. That was a nice little safety blanket for him. There's a lot of reasons as to why things went backwards for him uh, at the beginning of this year. And I think the greatest uh, indictment on the Broncos changing the scheme uh, and, and why that hurt Drew Locke so much is his last three starts. Over the course of his last three starts, he's fourth in the NFL – in QBR. And, you know, we can debate metrics and whether they matter. What it tells me, though, is that he's performing really well in key metrics. It doesn't mean he's been the fourth best quarterback in the NFL over the last four weeks, uh, three, three starts for him in those four weeks. But he's behind Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Ryan Tannehill in that stat, which tells you he's playing really clean football. And that you probably saw it, you know, uh, as clearly as anyone. With, starting with the Miami game, what they do. They started going back to the things that were working for him last year when he was in the Scangarello offense. And luckily for Drew and the Broncos, um, Pat Shermer had a little bit of experience running more of an under center, you know, uh, West Coast style offense when he did that with Case Keenum in Minnesota. And they were really, really successful doing so. So I think by going back to the things that were comfortable for Drew that he learned last year, you really got him back to progressing from where he left off instead of that big step backwards that he took. Um, for me, as, as a young quarterback, he certainly showed some red flags. And you just can't turn the ball over at the rate that he's done so this year. Uh, it's, it's unacceptable. But at the same time, he's, he checks off so many boxes. He has the arm strength. He has the ability to make plays with his feet. He has the moxie. He has the leadership. Um, he checks off so many boxes for me that I just feel like it would be really short-sighted to try and start all over with a guy rather than – and I think this includes, you know, he's got to keep his head above water for these last three games. You know, if he plays respectably and he doesn't have a couple of those really big blow-up games – I just don't see the advantage in – so the Broncos – let's say the Broncos pick 12th, and that might even be high for them at this point, depending on how these last three games go. Probably going to get the fourth best quarterback in the draft. To me, you're not going to improve uh, the quarterback position with the fourth best quarterback in the draft. Now, there's another conversation we had about Matt Stafford, who we don't know if he's going to be available or not. But if he were, that, that is an instant improvement, I would say. Uh, but maybe not the best thing long-term. So for me, it's just like, I think there's something to be said for continuity. Drew Locke has only had the same offensive coordinator two years in a row once since he started college. And that was his sophomore year. That was the second time. That was the second year in that offense. And that's the best season he's ever had in his life. It was like 43 touchdowns to eight interceptions, something crazy in the SEC. So you got to give continuity a little bit of a chance here. Uh, and I think that if you if you do do that, Drew will end up rewarding you. 
Okay, so 2021. Is there a more important season in Broncos history that you can remember where you're looking at a second-round quarterback who, say they start next year off four and two, five and five and one, six and six and three, and they're fighting for the playoffs, like we're watching a lot for the playoffs this year again. I mean, the playoffs this year are going to kick ass. You have to talk about extending him at that point, and then he's your future. So I I played with Brett Favre, and it was a it was a short time in in my life that I was in New York, and he was there. I remember he slapped me on my ass so hard one time that I, it had a bruise for like two weeks, and it was just out of nowhere. It hurt so bad. Big old hand um, too. But he and he was a wild man, and I I see a lot of like the way Drew plays and the way it just falls, it just flicks off his hand. I see Brett Favre when I watch Drew Locke play, and I think he's got feet, and I think he's got all the tangible things that you look for next year's 2021 season with Vic Fangio with Schumer with Locke with Vaughn with Simmons maybe getting the franchise tag twice Cortland. with Bulls getting extended. what are you going to do with Reisner what are you going to like the there's a lot of questions to be answered um is 2021 a, a make or break season for everyone including Elway yeah well it's a contract year for him um, that next year is the last year on his contract. Vic Fangio will, will be certainly on the hot seat going into the season, although I think his job is completely safe going into next season. Um, but you can't, so you know, I. have uh, top 15 draft picks three years in a row and keep your job. Um, and, and John Elway, I think, plays a big role in this kind of run-it-back scenario because I, I think that – the goal – in John Elway's perfect world, Drew Locke became the franchise quarterback. He put the Broncos on the right path. John Elway's contract expired. He said, you guys got this from here. I'm going to the golf course. Um, and I think that's, that, that's kind of how he dreamed it out. Uh, and, and if you're going to draft a young quarterback next year, that's never going to happen. Like, you know, is there a Justin Herbert situation out there? Maybe. Maybe you draft a guy, he walks in day one and falls out. But I think when you draft a rookie quarterback, you're kind of pressing the reset button and you're saying, okay, the earliest this is really going to work out is year two, uh, which means John always going to, if he wants to be here for the come up, he's going to have to, you know, sign another contract. I, I honestly think that that's not what he wants to do. He's been doing this for a while now um, and he's got a championship. He doesn't have to prove that. Uh, obviously the last thing that he really feels like he wants to prove is that he can find a quarterback. Um, the best chance the Broncos have at that is Drew Locke, in my opinion. And so, yes, next year is would be everything. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a young team. But it's across the board. There's going to be a lot of contract years, a lot of guys fighting for jobs, a lot of guys trying to prove that they belong and, and are part of the solution. Uh, so, yeah, it's, a, it's certainly a make-or-break year for tons of people. Ryan Koningsberg joins us here on Episode 95 of Chesney Unchained. A couple more questions for Ryan. Uh, who makes the engine run down here at DNVR. Make sure you check it out. And especially when the world gets back open, uh, get your ass down to DNVR for Colfax and support. Um, all right, Ryan. Uh, Vaughn Miller. I, I think Vaughn's a Hall of Famer already. Um, he doesn't, you know, he needs four or five, six more really good seasons of sacks to be considered, in my opinion, one of the 
I'm not saying he's not one of the all-time great talents. That's that would be naive. I'm saying he needs 60 more sacks to be talked about with Bruce Smith and Reggie White and guys like that. That's all I'm saying. So do you see another 60 sacks in Von Miller to get to that level? Or have we seen the best of Vaughn? And if that's the case, are we really going to pay him, what is it, 19 million bucks next year or something crazy? I think it's actually over 20. Uh, and un- unfortunately, I don't know. Um, I probably, if he, if he put a gun to my head and made me answer that question, I'd probably say no. I don't see 60 more sacks uh, in Von Miller. Um, you know, I think he is maybe the, in the top five most talented pass rushers of all time. Uh, but for whatever reason, he's not – his production doesn't always match up. Uh, and, and it's why he was so determined this year, and it breaks my heart that he didn't get to show what he was working on because last year he, had, he didn't even get to double digits. Um, and the Broncos are paying a lot of money uh, for eight and a half sacks. That's just not uh, – it, it doesn't add up. So, you know, I always say it's about uh, – you know, your guys get paid about a million dollars per sack. Um, which is a, which is crazy, uh, but you know you go have a five sack season, you might get five million somewhere. You have a ten sack season, you might, you're gonna get ten million somewhere. Uh, well, the Broncos are paying twenty million. They didn't even get half of that last year, and uh, and it's unfortunate. I think what is in the cards, as much as Von Miller doesn't want to hear this, is is a pay cut, um, some sort of restructure, some sort of something like that. Um, it makes the most sense to me. You know, you come off of eight and a half sacks, and then a, se- a full season missed due to injury, you're well into your 30s now. It just doesn't make sense for the Broncos to pay him that much money. So um, I think the best case scenario for the Broncos is, is he takes a pay cut. And then, you know what, if he goes and balls out, um, then maybe he can uh, negotiate a pay raise the year after that from, from whatever they renegotiated. So uh, I, don't, I don't know if he has 60 left in his career, but I think he does have – multiple double-digit sack seasons left in it. Okay, so with that high of a cap number, what if he says he won't restructure and they just have to cut Von Miller? Uh, now, it's very rare that you cut generational talent. And, I, I mean, that makes me kind of like I – I feel kind of stupid saying cut Von Miller. But, I mean, they cut Peyton Manning. They traded Joe Montana. I mean, it's what it happens in the NFL. So you cut Von Miller. I know Kansas City will pay him twenty million for a year. Hmm. I mean that's that that it just amplifies the stress for me because I think he's got two or three more years of ten, twelve, fifteen sacks, especially if the offense can support the defense a little bit and put him in position to pass rush. So a lot of it is full circle. I don't know, man. I, I just – I think Vaughn likes making that kind of money. So what's a realistic number that you want him to look at then? Is it 15? Is it 10? Uh, I mean, man, that's such a hard question. I think 15 is the ceiling um, that I would be willing to go for him. And you don't – I mean, you never want to cut these guys. Uh, but at the same time, like, Malik Reed is the truth. 
Uh, and Jeremiah Tachu is a really nice uh, depth piece. And obviously Bradley Chubb, you're expecting him to be the next Von Miller. I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if it's gonna happen in that way. But you know, one thing that Vic Fangio has kind of proved, in my opinion, is that he doesn't need bona fide stars um, to put a respectable defense out there. Uh, he can he can make a lot out of a little. So I just I don't know if it's realistic to pay Vaughn all that money, um, especially as you're coming up on a Cortland Sutton extension. Um, you'd love to extend Justin Simmons. Like you said, if Drew Locke plays really well uh, at the end of these three games and, and you start off hot next year, you got to extend him too. Philip Lindsay's coming up and he needs to get paid. Uh, you know, you know, you go through this whole list of guys, eventually you got to pay Bradley Chubb. Um, so I just don't know if you can, you can really pay Von Miller that much money in good conscience. Um, but at the same time, you, you, you certainly don't want to cut him and have him end up being a chief or a Raider. Oh my God, man, not a Raider. Just <laughs> that would be, that would be terrible. All right. So before you hear Ryan, before we get you out of here in episode 95, and we really appreciate you coming on, uh, spending your day with us here. Uh, and, and talking to the Unchained Nation here. So, so look, um, I think the Denver Broncos are a top five to eight franchise in, in the National Football League. I think the NFL is kind of top-heavy right now where you're seeing the same teams picking at the bottom of the draft over and over and over again. Now, Cleveland has pulled out of that, but it's hard. It's hard to pull out of that wasteland. Are the Broncos close, closer to the wasteland? Or are they closer to the playoffs every every year again? Because that's the team I, you and I both grew up watching. I mean, I, I, I was on a team that was four and twelve, and I was on a team that was ten and six, so or nine and seven. And both teams missed the playoffs, but there's a huge difference between being competitive in December and being shitty and getting Von Miller with the second pick. So wasteland or playoffs consistently. Uh that question comes down to one position and, and it's why this is such a polarizing conversation in Broncos country right now is drew lock. The guy, if drew lock plays like he did, honestly, if he plays like he has the last three weeks consistently uh, in, in last three weeks, I think it was zero and zero, zero uh, two and two and four. and zero. Oh. So that's six touchdowns to two interceptions over the last two weeks. That's fantastic. Or last three starts. That's fantastic. Uh, obviously right around 60% completions, you know, you, all the metrics that you want him to hit, he's been hitting. If that's the guy that you get for these last three games, that's the guy you get moving forward. This is a playoff team next year, in my opinion. Um, and, and they'll be able to compete for those spots moving forward. If he's not, and you got to press the restart button, then you're definitely closer to the wasteland. Why? Because you never know what's going to happen at quarterback. Uh, you know, people want to get all over John Elway for not being able to find a replacement for Peyton Manning. No one – I mean, there are franchises that go 40 years without finding their quarterback. Yeah, you're, you know, you're rocking the Jets hat. Um, <laughs> the Jets haven't – I mean, Mark Sanchez is the best quarterback the Jets have had, I think, oh in, in the last long time. So, um, it's not as simple as just like, oh, you need a GM who finds quarterbacks. No GMs find quarterbacks at a, at a high rate. Um, it's just extremely difficult. It's a crapshoot. The difference between college and pro is that drastic that it's just very unpredictable. Um, so yeah, could you go into the draft this year and draft Zach Wilson out of BYU, who I really like? Of course. 
I also really like Drew Locke, and the, the jury's still out on him. Um, you know, I also didn't like Josh Allen, and now he's awesome. Um, and I also really liked Baker Mayfield, and it took him till his third year to really hit his stride. So you just never know. Um, there's always going to be hits and misses. And the, the more that you're trying to – you have to try to get a quarterback, the further you are from being a perennial playoff team. Tell me, the AFC next year is going to be insane again. The AFC West is going to be nuts because all those teams are going to have relatively young quarterbacks with Carr being the age vet. Uh, with Kansas City, I don't know how Kansas City loses. I've seen a lot of great teams lose in the playoffs, so have you. But they're looking pretty damn good to me right now. So, I don't know. The, the playoffs are going to be pretty fun. All right, well, Real your quick, expertise I want, are uh, – I want to hear yes, what, what, what is it about Drew Locke that you don't like? I don't know if there's one specific – I don't like turnovers. Yeah. That's it. Can't That's turn it. The I don't over. like losing. I hate losing. I hate losing and I hate turnovers. And I, I think that – the you, you know you, they only have 11 dudes and they can only do so much and i'm just a big stupid meathead but i i look at tape and i can see what people are doing now i never played quarterback or anything but i've hit a couple and i've protected a few and i think that if you're good the next step for drew needs to be able to walk up to the line of scrimmage and identify what's happening not just call the cadence don't you think he and did slowly, the best at that as he has ever this last week? Oh yeah, he's he's doing a really good job doing. It. He did a great job in Miami. Yeah, he's done he did, he's done a really good. He tried to do it against the Raiders, but they were repeating a lot of mistakes. Look, you've, you're going to get your ass kicked in this league, and a lot of the great ones have, and they overcome it, and that's going to be the deciding factor. So it's not that I don't like him. I'm I'm a huge. I'm a, I'm a huge stickler for indecision. And I feel like Vic Fangio is very indecisive at times as a coach when they need to go for it on fourth down more than they do. They need to, they need to take more chances. They need to get their skill players in position to be successful more. They need to take more shots. They need to run the hell out of the football. And, and it just, it's, it's little things to support the quarterback that they're not doing. And if they're not going to support him correctly and he's going to turn the ball over at the rate he is, what's to like? So if I keep seeing what I'm seeing, I'm with it. But, I mean, after the Charger game, I was, you know, I was like happier than a fat kid chasing a, a donut. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about four times. But at the same time, I, I saw I watched the Raider game and I watched the Falcon game and I you know I watched him play Kansas City and all those things are fixable so hopefully he's learning. Well, yeah, you, you never uh, know. I think with quarterbacks and especially in this town, the bar is so high. Um, and I've been trying you know my message of the week to Broncos fans and no one wants to hear this but someone's got to say it is the likelihood of the Broncos finding. Anyone that's even close to Peyton Manning and John Elway in the rest of their history is the, the odds are against them. We're talking about two of the five best quarterbacks of all time have played here in Denver. The chance of them getting three of the five best or even three of the ten best, it's the, the odds are stacked against them. So I'm not saying, you know, you need to be okay with the quarterback throwing 
uh, interceptions all day long. But we do have to, one, allow quarterbacks to become who they're going to be, give them time to develop, and, you know, (laughs) love these guys a little bit. You know, the the Jake Plummers of the world was was not appreciated when he was here in Denver. Now everyone looks back and says – that's that's the third or fourth fourth best quarterback in Broncos history. So I just said poor Jake. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh it's really I get it. I get why everyone's so impatient. I get why uh why the bar is really high and uh you want a quarterback to live up to that. But you got to give these guys a little bit of time to develop. And Drew Locke is very clearly on an upward trend in his last three starts. So let's see what he does with the rest of these last six games and and hopefully he shows us something you know that gets everyone back on the drew lock train and there it is folks episode 95 my boy rk thank you so much for coming on the show tell me how to get a hold of you on twitter instagram any of those mediums and brother where in the hell did you get that sweatshirt uh, isn't that beautiful that hard. <laughs> get that that's see you buffs.com i saw actually i think i might have got it from fanatics or one of them but they're it's on both I saw that. It was like an instant cop. Didn't even look at the price. Ooh. Just pressed buy. That's, I'm hoping they got a 3X. I'm going online right now. All right. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. You make this engine go at DNVR. Everybody follow Ryan at? At, at Ryan Konigsberg. Um, you don't really have to learn how to spell it. It's with a K. You'll, Twitter will do the rest of the work to you. Just type it in. All right, RK. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man.